0: Welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Today in episode 89, I'm joined by Emily Splickle, a doctor of pediatric medicine. In our short time together, Dr. Emily was able to describe her simple and logical approach that older athletes can follow for themselves in just a few minutes a day to improve foot function and foot integration with the body core for faster response times and superior coordination. Just what I need. Dr. Emily also provided a bit of guidance for the endurance athletes who want to regain natural foot function, but who need to wear non-minimalist shoes in our sports, such as in cycling. I have adopted Dr. Emily's easy to follow practices into my own morning routine. Listen in to find out if you should do the same. All right, let's talk to Dr. Emily Spickle. Dr. Emily Spickle, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, it's a pleasure.
0: Can I call you uh, Dr. Emily? I I know that everybody else does. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So foot health, that's the name of the game today. The statistics are that almost everybody listening to this podcast currently has or will have problems with their feet due to the use of shoes that are too stiff or not flat or too small or some other defect in the way that we like our shoes shaped. Is that right?
1: I mean, one of the number one contributors to foot imbalances and foot pain is definitely modern footwear, which is why I am such an advocate of more barefoot, minimal, natural footwear. Um, But there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of offset the damage that is done in traditional footwear. Certain sports such as cycling requires a little bit more narrow, stiffer shoe so I know that's something that we'll definitely talk about is how yeah. to reset and recover from, let's just call it modern footwear.
0: Well, fantastic. I, I um, Over the years, when I've looked at my crooked toes, I used to think, well, that's just how feet become. Other people have crooked toes too. And so I didn't like that, but I didn't think anything of it really. Until more recently, I have come to understand that that's not how feet become just because you've been using them. I've just been forcing my feet to live in this badly shaped thing. And my feet have accommodated me and become the shape of the thing that I've made them live in. Uh, And as a result, I, I might have some foot pain now and again, and I might have some reduced function in my body as a result of this progressive damage that I have been causing. Anyway, that's what I think is true. And I'm thinking you're going to be able to help us out with that. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people really accepted the shape of shoes and what modern footwear companies were promoting as, quote unquote, healthy shoes. Uh, And that was really until about 2008, 2009, when the, quote unquote, barefoot running boom really kind of hit its peak when uh, Born to Run came out, if you remember that, by Chris McDougall, the book, Uh, the Vibram Five Fingers, so the minimal shoes, Nike Free, So this whole footwear space that really opened up a niche within the athletic footwear space that is for minimal shoes. That really got people to start to look at their feet, look at the shape of shoes, look at the foot function, foot pain, and not say... Or no longer say this is something that I'm willing to just accept as part of aging or part of reality is that my feet start to curl in and fold in and become painful with age and with use. That's no longer the case. A lot of people are now understanding the importance of Maintaining healthy feet. What can you do to reset them every day? How do you actually strengthen them? Just like you strengthen your your glutes and your quads and your core, you should be doing the exact same thing for your feet. And then really saying no to the modern footwear industry and saying I demand more out of my feet and my foot health so that now you have this massive market within footwear that is supporting natural foot function. And that's what I'm an advocate of, is foot function and natural footwear.
0: Okay, and and for the vein among us, me included, having better looking feet. That's a, I'd like that. But really, I think what your focus is, and I am also interested in, is having more, a better functioning body. I'm into this for, The purpose of being healthy and strong and athletic for as long into my life as i can as well as having as long a life as i can Uh, if my feet aren't working very well i'm really in trouble so i want feet that work really well and if they look good or better as a side benefit of that that sounds really good
1: (laughs) yeah that was the focus of my book which is called barefoot strong and it was anti-aging secrets of movement longevity so i am a huge proponent on movement longevity. I actually love anti-aging science and I apply it to movement science and I help people understand that the foot, as you were alluding to is really yeah. a necessary or a key part of moving well for many, many years. And if your feet can look nice in the middle of that, that's great, but it's really understanding what are the baseline. I'll call, I call them the three pillars to healthy feet, for movement longevity. And that is based around activation is going to be the foundation of this pyramid or your pillars. The, the foundation is activation. The second level up is going to be strength. And then the third is going to be recovery. And these are the three steps that I recommend to all my patients and all people <laughs> with feet is you need to baseline activation, keep your feet sensorially stimulated. Which means get out of your shoes, get out of cushion, get on textures and surfaces and grass and pebbles and sand and just really wake up the nerves in the bottom of the feet because the nerves of the feet kind of like the brain. If you don't got a brain that's that's really solid and with it, kind of everything else falls to the wayside. So that's why I put the nervous system as the foundation. And then the strength is really referencing integrated strength which means that your feet, strong feet, are feet that are connected to your core, your pelvic floor, your center of gravity, and your total body center of mass. And then finally, the recovery and that peak of the pyramid or the pillar is going to be how do you reset and recover your feet every single day because recovery is really a pivotal part of longevity, especially movement longevity.
0: Oh, that's great. I want to come back to these three activation, strength, and recovery, and hit them one at a time in some detail for everybody's benefit. I assume that that'll include th- things they can do uh, to do those. But, but before we dive into these details, I, I wanted to be sure to uh, let the audience know about who you are in case they don't know you already. You, you know, your background, your training. How did you get to where you are now?
1: Absolutely. So I'm a podiatrist, but I am more of a functional podiatrist. I actually Call myself a functional podiatrist and a human movement specialist Um, from the earliest days of going through podiatric medical school. I was actually in the fitness industry. I've been in the fitness industry for over 22 years, Hmm. which means that the integrated function of the foot is just part of my belief system. That's really what fitness taught me. I was a competitive gymnast, which is a barefoot Mm -hmm. sport. So barefoot was part of my DNA from a very early age. So the way that I look at my patients and movement and just the optimization of human performance is really the compilation of my background of being an athlete, my background being in fitness, studying podiatric medicine, and then going back to school and getting my master's in human movement. So it was really this this deep exploration and challenging a lot of what is taught in podiatry school, which is, I consider a lot of it kind of dogma and just kind of regurgitating what prior generations have said versus stopping and saying, but why? Why do we approach right. that that way? Why do you give X, Y, Z as the recommendation for plantar fasciitis for every single patient for the last 20 years? There's got to be more for these patients and what we can offer them. So that's really defined my practice. And now, in addition to seeing patients, I run an education company. I do consulting for many brands. Uh, I founded a product line that I'm sure we'll speak about at some point, but I really use it to try to impact as many people as possible versus just that patient in my office chair.
0: Well, great. Well, yeah. Uh, and your participation here is a part of that. I appreciate that. Uh, I wonder if maybe one last little thing we should tell the audience before we, we dive into what you can share with us is um, what are some common issues? I mean, let's go ahead and, and, and mention the foot things that are obviously foot things. You know, you, you mentioned plantar fasciitis and, you know, and Achilles tendon issues and you know, bunions. And... There are other things that, that people have problems with and they have painful feet as a result, but then there are other things that maybe are harder to draw a solid line to, but you can draw a dotted line between your feet and other problems that maybe are pain-related problems or perhaps performance-related problems. You know, they, they can't run as well or they, whatever, I wonder if we could just give a a little bit of information on that before we start talking about what can be done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the feet, well, one, let me take a step back. The body is very functionally integrated. So that concept in itself is really important. And when I say functionally integrated, that means kinematically, which is really biomechanics, which could say, you know, if I have flat feet, it's going to create a rotation into my knee and then my knees start to knock in, which is called valgus. The pelvis rocks forward into an anterior tilt. So you start to get this joint coupling effect from one joint into the next, this influence that's biomechanics or that's kinematics. But the body is also functionally integrated from a muscular. And when I say muscular, I really mean myofascial. So the connective tissue web that connects every part of our body or muscle to muscle to muscle. This tissue is very much connected and that's how we can stabilize and transfer energy quickly and efficiently. And then the body is also very much connected from a sensorial perspective. And I'm I'm very much into sensory perspective, so I do have to drop that in wherever I can. Um, So just a few examples of understanding how integrated the foot is in different aspects of the body could be, of course, knee. The knee would be the next next in line that makes sense, right? If you're getting a lot of IT band issues, if you're getting medial knee pain, if you're getting some issues with chondromalacia patella, which is arthritis on the back of the kneecap, where it's shifting, a lot of that can be because of the position of the foot and how it creates a rotation into the lower leg, which is your tibia. Going a little bit higher, I see a lot of patients who get groin pain. So groin pain, adductor spasms, hip labrum tears, very common. Uh, SI joint issues, coccidinia, which is tailbone pain. Low back pain, of course you can get that as well. Uh, It can translate higher because the pelvic position relates to everything higher up. So your pelvis, If it tips forward, which is an anterior tilt, that's very much associated with overpronation and flat feet, that actually creates a delay in the timing of contraction of your deep ab muscles. So essentially it just means your entire center of mass is not stabilizing fast enough, which now put that to any dynamic movement that involves the arms. So if you have shoulder pain when you play pickleball, or tennis or something like that, it could actually be related to your feet causing a core problem or a pelvic problem, right? So you could see how integrated this could become that I could even talk to someone about tennis elbow. Tennis elbow is never the elbow, it's always the shoulder. And then the shoulders really, is there an issue with the core and is the core because of the feet? So it can translate all the way up. Now, to kind of take it away from just like kinematics, which is what I was describing and go a little bit more abstract, because I just want to entertain the the listeners with this abstract thought, is that everything that involves dynamic movement has to do with timing. So the listeners can't see me, but I'm kind of like thinking about my watch, right? So timing. How quickly mm-hmm. are my muscles contracting? How quickly are my feet and my core and my glutes coordinating with each other? What is the time destabilization to, to transfer energy? So the way that mm-hmm. this relates is I can identify someone's relationship to the ground and understand why they're getting stress fractures, plantar fasciitis, shin splints, IT band syndrome. So it's these... Quote unquote impact related injuries that the person may say, but my feet look totally normal. And I would look at it from a neurological perspective and say, oh, yeah, you may have normal, quote unquote, neutral feet with good range of motion. But from a neuromuscular perspective, or maybe the shoes that you're wearing, the relationship in your anticipation of the ground and the ground reaction forces is. Shifted. it's delayed, it's not optimal. And then I work with patients to optimize the relationship between the foot and the ground from a neurological perspective.
0: Does twisted ankles come into this anywhere?
1: Yeah, so ankle sprains, there's a lot of research that shows ankle sprains correlating with same side glute stabilization. So you would see a delayed glute activation on the same side as the ankle sprain. So, fascially, I can go back into different fascial lines and understand why the glutes in that individual didn't fire fast enough and why they got an ankle sprain. And that's that's a big part of my practice, and that's why I love sensory component of movement because I look at movement from a neurological perspective. That's just my niche within movement.
0: Got it. Yeah, I'm a longtime ankle sprainer. I've always wondered why I have some disconnect somewhere that um, who knows where it came from, but uh, I never got rid of it.
1: Very common to have chronic ankle instability. And that is, I work with a lot of high school sports where the best, the number one prevention of recurrent ankle sprains in an adult is to prevent the first ankle sprain from ever happening. And most of those ankle sprains happen in high school athletes. And then they just become subsequent, subsequent. And it's, it's a really complex part of ankle proprioception and how people perceive their ankle after even just one minor ankle sprain.
0: Interesting. But it sounds like this, uh, proprioception is related to just your ability to navigate in the world when your interface is your foot on the ground then your ability to feel the ground is a important part of it, is that right?
1: 100% and there's now so many ways to hack it.
0: Ah. In my past, I've worn big heavy boots or really cushiony runny shoes and I'm not really feeling the ground. I mean, and that's the point, I'm trying not to because you know a rock's gonna hurt my foot, but maybe that's actually been hurting me. Maybe my foot would have adapted to let me tolerate those discomforts better, but I would have had a, I would have had less problems, twisting my ankle, et cetera, if I'd have had better shoes that let me feel the ground better.
1: Yeah, and the research is actually supporting that now, that if you wear less structure in the shoe to allow the sensory stimulation to pass through, you trigger the nervous system, which triggers the response and the perception, and you get a whole cascade of events. And then other products such as Nebosa, which we'll speak about at some point, yeah. the kinesiology tape, which is, uh, really was made popular, I can't remember how many years ago in the Olympics, but the colorful yeah. tape that that people will put on is really trying to trick or access the nervous system a little bit faster, which could be beneficial in the case of recurrent ankle sprains.
0: Uh, I always wondered what that tape did. Okay, well, that's interesting and and we'll talk about that more, I assume when we get to that part, but do you wanna walk us through your three, your activation strength and recovery? And I'm not sure that they were pillars. I think that they were like um, levels of a pyramid or something. Mm -hmm. And just walk us through your approach to uh, functional foot health.
1: Yes, so let's think of a, a pyramid instead of the pillars. So you have this pyramid of healthy feet for movement longevity. The biggest part on the base of that pyramid, which is the foundation, have to do that first step before any other aspects can build on top of that pyramid or that triangle. That's going to be the activation or the neurological function of the foot. So that means stimulate the nerves in the bottom of the feet, stimulate the proprioceptors of the ankle, right? You really have to start to access the nervous system before any movement can come out of that structure. When we think about just movement in general, sensory information comes in, brain processes it, motor or movement comes out. It's just baseline neurology 101, afferent or sensory in, efferent motor out. No other way it can happen. So activation, neurological, sensation, perception of foot is your foundation. This is where I recommend at least 30 minutes of barefoot stimulation every day. You could just walk around your house barefoot. Just leave it at that if you want, right? Just no shoes, Uh no socks, feel the hardwood floor, maybe walk on the grass, get the textures, use the Naboso products, uh, release your feet on... um, little spiky balls, things like that. You're just trying to wake up the nerves, right? So we got 30 minutes of that every single day. Okay. Second level is going to be strength. Strength, when I say strength, I mean strength of the small muscles in the bottom of the foot. And you can think of the muscles in the bottom of the foot kind of like your deep ab muscles. So you have these deep muscles in your ab or your pelvis, that you really can't see, the pelvic floor is part of it, transverse abdominals, these deep muscles that are a necessary part of stability. It's strength, but strength comes from stability. So in the foot, very similar, I consider them your foot's core. So the core of your foot is what you need to strengthen are these small muscles. And these small muscles are actually fascially connected to your body's pelvic floor and deep ab muscles. So your foot's core is connected to your body's core core, if that makes sense. Right. And the more that you can integrate the strength of your feet and your core, the more functional your body will be as a unit. Okay. Now from that component of strengthening little thing that people could do, First one I call a forward lean. So if you stand with your feet shoulder width apart and you kind of spread your toes, get a nice base of support, and then you imagine that you are standing and you're stiff as a board and just slightly rock that body forward. As soon as you lean that body just a little bit forward, you're going to feel your toes start to push into the ground, your feet engage and then go back into a vertical position. And then just slightly lean forward, and then boom, your feet engage, it's a reflex. You're not even helping it, it's a reflex of your foot engaging, posturally so you don't fall over in gravity.
0: So you're not letting the heel come up, you're just pressing with the foot and pushing back up?
1: Yes, Yep. Okay. you just like slightly lean forward, And that some people go like Michael Jackson did some like lean, I don't know, right? (laughs) You lean forward and your toes contract, your heel is still on the floor, and you're just gonna feel this natural contraction of the foot as soon as you lean forward. Okay. That in itself is, there's a baseline connection to the feet that I want people to feel. The second one, without me having to really tell you anything, is stand on one leg. So just do a balance on one leg, right? Just stand there, try to stand for 30 seconds. Now, whether you want to or not, your foot is gonna engage so you don't fall over, right? Yeah. So it's a really good way to start to create foot strength without any sort of foot anatomy language or anything like that.
0: Are we wearing shoes during these exercises?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. These are barefoot, these are okay. barefoot. Yeah, we wanna get get out of your shoes and socks but just those two exercises activates the natural strength of your feet without going deep into it. And then I say, if you wanna go deep into all the exercises I teach, then definitely get my book or look at my YouTube. I have tons of content out there. But these two really helps people to understand that strength, okay? The top of the pyramid, which is recovery, is going to be just a nice, easy reset that we want to do every single day. Call it a massage if you want. But really what we're stimulating when we release our feet is circulation. And I am such a huge advocate of supporting circulation of the feet because it is the part of the body that gets the least amount of circulation because it's the furthest away from our heart. Mm. So you want to do things that supports tips to the toes circulation. OK, the five minute foot release. I teach it on many different products. Nobosa, we have a neural ball, but you could use whatever product you want. And I just have people release their feet for five minutes. If you want to just roll your foot for five minutes, if you want to stand on a golf ball, if you want to stand on a neural ball and you are standing. Stimulating, you're massaging, you're waking up the nerves, you're supporting what's called microcirculation. And if you do that every single day, morning, evening, five minutes, do it when you're brushing your teeth, that as a baseline is one of my secrets for movement longevity.
0: Huh. Okay. And as far as strength, I ask this question because the only thing that I do at the moment that seems to be pretty much focused on my feet is calf raises. Does that do any good or is that a bad thing?
1: It's not a bad thing, but I'm going to give you, and then of course your listeners, a way to spice it up a little bit. Because I I lived in New York City for 20 years, so I'm all about efficiency. Uh (laughs) Or maybe it's just my personality, regardless of where I am. Efficiency. So the way that you get more out of a calf raise is if you put a ball between your heel, So put a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball between your heel. And when you're doing the calf raise, every time you start to lift your heels to do the calf raise, drive your heels into the ball as you're doing the calf raise. And every time you do the calf raise, push your toes down into the floor. So add those two little pieces to it and you will start to hit even more muscles during that exercise.
0: So am I holding the ball between my two heels? Yes. Okay. And I want to put force on that ball to hold it there. Yes. And when you say push down on the toes, uh, uh, I'm not sure how else to do it. So is this just sort of a mental thing where I'm thinking about pushing down with my toes?
1: Yep, with the the tips of your toes, like your toenail.
0: Oh, 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 oh. So not with the ball of the foot, but with the tips of the toes. I mean, obviously I'm putting most of my weight on the ball of the foot, but I'm thinking about putting weight on the tips of my toes.
1: Yes. And as soon as you do that, you're going to activate your pelvic floor.
0: Huh? that's fine. Awesome. Okay. Starting tomorrow. Cool. That's what we're going to do. And uh, I'll look for some of these other things. And uh, and, and your uh, product that you invented, uh, where, is that the like the, the activation thing? Where, where does that fit into this puzzle?
1: Yeah. So I've mentioned Naboso several times and Naboso is N-A-B-O-S-O, which is how you would spell it. naboso neboso.com is where okay. we sell the products. It's a sensory product line. And this product line includes mats, insoles, socks, release tools. That's the neural ball that I referenced. We have sensory sticks. So it's a full product line using texture as the sensory stimulation to then stimulate the nerves in the bottom of the feet and technically the palm of the hand. Hmm. Now, why I developed the product line is that I wanted a way to help people better access the neurological side or the sensory side of the foot that exceeded beyond just taking your shoes off, right? Because I was essentially finding that, okay, great, you took off your shoes, but how do I get even more out of your out of your foot? Let's say if you have neuropathy, or you had a stroke, or MS, Parkinson's, and kind of this more advanced neurological state where we really need to help people feel their feet. Yeah, that started leading me into researching surfaces and different stimuli to the nerves of the feet, and then that's long story short led to Naboso.
0: Cool. All right okay and so one of the problems that uh, i want to have you address here that i've heard come up in other talks that you've had so i'm not springing anything on you here is this business of uh, light footwear barefoot trying to get our feet to be strong again is a good thing for sure but if your sport requires you to wear something else you know wear a cycling shoe or, you know, a spike because you're running on wet grass or something like that, then all of these skills that you're developing in your bare feet then are not going to work very well in your sport. And while it may be true that I am driving toward a a long, healthy life of being healthy and strong and athletic, a lot of people, and I'll admit that I am included in this group, want to do well at our sport too. And so how can we include this logic, this wonderful thinking about how to make our feet better also help us in our sport as well as we can?
1: Yeah, so this, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people will think that I have fully drank the barefoot Kool-Aid <laughs> and will want people to play soccer, football barefoot, basketball barefoot, which is not what I'm advocating or, or ever saying. Yeah. I do think that everybody, regardless of sport and footwear that is required for certain sports, benefit from some component of barefoot movement prep, right? Maybe you wake up the feet barefoot, do the five minute foot release, get on the Naboso texture, spread your toes, you know, get your foot to core pathway activated. Then you're going to put on your shoes that your sport requires. Mm remembering that at the end of the day, what we are influencing through the feet is the brain and the nervous system. That is the way that I look at the feet. It is the gateway into your brain or into your nervous system, which is really what is controlling movement. So I call it barefoot before shod, but I fully understand that sports will require you to be in not the most optimal footwear because of the reality of the sport. Now, That doesn't mean don't do the movement prep and it doesn't mean do the sport barefoot. So find that balance. And that's why I was saying that I recommend barefoot before shod. Now when you are in a more restrictive footwear, let's say cycling, right? The way that I work with cyclists would be one, we actually have done some Naboso pilot studies with cyclists using our textured insole in the cycling shoes to keep them tuned in to their feet knowing that it's not a weight-bearing sport, it's a not impact-related sport and movement, and you're going oftentimes very long distances, we need to keep your deep core and your hip and your glute activated and optimized. Can we somehow find a way to continuously keep the foot awake when the footwear and the movement of the sport is kind of pulling you away from your feet, right? So that's one way that I think about cycling and sensory and feet. Then the other part of it would be what do I do when I'm I'm done cycling, when I get out of the shoes? How do I reset and recover my feet? Mm-hmm. I'm going to want you to do the opposite of what constriction is. I want you to open, spread, and splay your feet. So put on toe spacers, release the bottom of the feet, be barefoot, be in minimal shoes. And then when you do cross-training, could you cross-train barefoot or could you cross-train in a really barefoot, minimal shoes, such as a Vivo barefoot, just to keep as much natural foot function as possible. And then it's about finding balance.
0: Let's stay on the cycling shoe thing for a bit. I I wonder, do you have any tips for people in terms of sizing? I mean, a lot of people complain about their cycling shoes hurt. You know, if they're gonna do long rides, Mm -hmm. then their feet hurt. And I wonder if they're just not wearing shoes that are too small for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, You want to have as much of a natural shoe shape as possible. Everyone has their own unique foot shape. If you happen to have a bunion, well, now your foot's inherently wider. If you overpronate, so you have a quote unquote flatter foot, your foot is going to be wider. So there's a few things that are a little bit unique to each individual. And it would be understanding how, how to work with your unique foot shape, understanding the restrictions of cycling shoes. But could you get a little bit wider one? Could you get an arch support in the cycling shoe, which as soon as you neutralize a over pronated foot, you make it narrower. Uh So would the the foot actually fit better if you had an arch support because of that narrowing response of putting the foot in neutral?
0: Right, okay, that's helpful and then in terms of this business of um for me personally i mean until very recently i had art supports insoles that i had custom made 30 years ago that uh, probably i was supposed to replace every five years but anyway they just kept feeling good and i just kept putting them in one shoe after another and ultimately you know my arches got weaker and weaker over time but it probably would have been a mistake for me to go buy some Vibram five finger shoes and go run a marathon after 30 years of wearing art supports. Uh, So how do people do this transition to get their feet strong without overdoing it and murdering themselves and then deciding that this is all stupid and let me get my art supports back. How do they gradually ramp up their feet? How long should they think that it would take to have naturally strong feet?
1: Yeah, that was, Really everything behind the Vibram lawsuit (laughs) was that people thought that they could go from, you know, traditional shoe to total minimal flexible shoe that you can roll and twist absolutely no support like overnight. And that's not realistic in any way. It does need to be gradual, as you had referenced. It is unique to every individual. So I cannot give an exact time frame. But what I can say is when I do determine the progression that I will take an individual through is based off of their foot type, their injury history, and the demand that they're placing on their feet meaning are they going to just walk in these are they going to wear them at work are they going to run in them are they going to play tennis in them right so what is the actual activity so those are the three things that you want to kind of work through but for general what i tell people is before you even get out of the traditional shoes into a minimal shoe is you have to start to build foot awareness go back to my pyramid you have to be tuned into your feet. If you have had no awareness and you're like, oh, I have feet. Okay. You need to do that first before going from a supportive shoe to a minimal shoe. So just start to be barefoot around the home. Use some of the navoso products, release those feet, maybe do a little of that forward lean and that bouncing on the leg. Let's just start to wake up our foundation. Then I do have more advanced programming, as I said, on the internet. You could just Google. You'll find tons of it out there and start to build true foot strength. You also need to start to build in daily foot recovery because when you start to transition from support to minimal, the stress you place on your foot is going to increase, obviously. So the way that you don't get injured is you have to really focus on the recovery component of the pyramid Mm. and the way that you offset stress on the foot is going to be releasing like the five point foot release time. Time is probably one of the biggest ones. And that's where I will tell people if you walk in minimal shoes Let's say you go for like a mile walk. Don't do the same thing the next day or the following day. Give it a couple days and then do it again three days later, 72 hours later. And then you stress the body again. And then you back off, release the feet, back off, maybe wear a little less supportive shoe, but not totally barefoot. And then you retrigger it again three days later. So you're, you're going through these cycles and these progressions of tuning into the feet, strengthening the feet, recovering the feet, and then gradually upping the stress that you're putting the feet under.
0: Awesome. Okay, the last thing I had on my list here was just sort of a catch-all of other kind of advice. I I mean, probably one of the things that just a general idea that would be good for helping your feet to get stronger once you stop abusing them in poor-fitting shoes is – to be healthy. I mean, is there anything in particular that you like to talk to your clients about, uh, you know, like uh, nutrition or sleeping or anything else that sort of just a generally thought to be a good thing for your health anyway, but hey, your feet are a part of your body, so it helps them too?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a functional podiatrist, I do factor in stress levels, sleep, sleep patterns, Uh, inflammation, so systemic inflammation. I'm very much into the autonomic nervous system, vagal tone, stress levels, that whole aspect of it. Uh, If we want to relate that back down to your feet, your autonomic nervous system, which we often think of as like the stress response of, "Ah, I'm having a stressed out day, so I'm pushed into fight or flight. And that vagal tone response that, that autonomic nervous system response in your feet actually controls the way that your hair grows, this integrity of your skin, sweat, sensitivity on the bottom of the feet, um, nail growth. So it's a lot of these subconscious things we don't even think about. And in the older client, that autonomic nervous system, just like all aspects of the nervous system, kind of need to have a, a continued dialing in, right? And the autonomic nervous system, no one thinks about it. So that's where people might stop sweating or the hair doesn't grow on their lower leg anymore. And like things that we don't even think about, the skin gets really thin, the skin gets really dry. All of that aspect is is part of your autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So I gave a lecture a couple of weeks ago at a conference about Bulletproof Your Feet for Movement Longevity, which is just so perfect for this podcast that we're yeah. doing. And I happened to reference the autonomic nervous system. And one of my tips was to meditate and increase vagal tone to maintain. Really, it's the dermatological side of the foot. Dermatological means the skin, right? Mm -hmm. So the skin integrity of the foot for movement longevity is an autonomic function. That is based off of vagal tone and staying in a parasympathetic or a restoration
0: state awesome now i guess related to that uh and i'm thinking in nutrition here i mean the foot is like really complicated i heard it's like a quarter of all of the bones in the body are in the feet mm-hmm. uh something like that and you know and if you've got that many bones and you got all kinds of joints and ligaments and tendons and muscles and all kinds of things in there is there like Collagen or is there, you know, protein? What is it that would be really important to, to get right nutritionally to help your feet?
1: Yeah. So, yes, collagen. Collagen is the most prevalent protein in the human body. And it is what makes up your ligaments, your tendons, your fascia. Actually, your blood vessels are made of collagen. So, it's you have to have healthy collagen your bones are made of it. So from a nutritional perspective, where my mind goes and how I speak about it usually has to do with glycemic control or glucose control. Uh So if you are not controlling your blood sugar, and you start to get spikes in glucose, then you get free radicals. This is kind of a typically associated with diabetes, but it's not only diabetes, is that you create acidity and free radicals and stickiness in your body's collagen, which is the nerves, the bones, the ligaments, the fascia, the tent, like literally everything that makes up your foot is, is made of these collagen proteins and the free radical of too much blood sugar actually creates a kink, is the easiest way to describe it, like a kink in the collagen and then the collagen gets sticky. And what happens with the blood vessels specifically is that they're so small in the foot. They're just so small because the foot is so far away and it's such a complex structure that these micro vessels get sticky very easily. And it's the teeny tiny blood vessels that supply the nerves of your feet. And if you when you start to get neuropathies and you don't feel certain part of your feet, what that contributes from a movement, fall risk, just the whole complexity of not being able to fill your feet is huge. But that that starts nutritionally. That starts with blood sugar. That starts with collagen health is how you have to protect the tiny little blood vessels that go down to your feet.
0: Wow. And I guess if the little blood vessels aren't working that well and the blood pressure is probably the lowest in your body down there, I assume, since it's the farthest from your heart that...
1: uh, Yeah. And you want to know a fun way to improve circulation to your feet is grounding. So I'm a huge advocate of grounding. Makes me sound a little hippie-ish, but... What's that mean? (laughs) So grounding and earthing is when you stand out on the earth and you connect to the planet. Very simply stated is that if you just walk across the grass or go outside is traditionally how it would be done, earthing and grounding, 15 minutes a day.
0: With your bare feet?
1: Yep. With your bare feet, you you essentially negate all of the acidity within the body. So the earth is a magnet, right? So you're mm. essentially using the polarity of the magnets where the earth is a negative charge and the acidity and inflammation, aging and disease is a positive charge, it's very acidic in the human body. So you can start to neutralize that, you reduce inflammation, you can improve circadian rhythms. Oh my gosh, there's so much research around earthing that I encourage the listeners to check it out.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like it feels good in any case, so (laughs) I'll try it, why not? Well, awesome. We're, we're running to the end of my list of things to talk about. Is there anything that I haven't thought to ask you about that you think is important for the older athlete to know about?
1: I mean, just remember the three the three levels to the pyramid. Uh-huh. Check out the earthing. We spoke about stress, and we spoke about earthing. That really is my big takeaways. And then my biggest one from from doing a show like this is if I can establish even the smallest level of curiosity and appreciation to the human foot, then I've succeeded because it's, it's a very underappreciated part of the human body. Most medical doctors outside of podiatry are like too complex. I'm not going there. And then they just (laughs) don't don't ever talk about it. So I, I just want people to be intrigued and curious. Curiosity is the first step to really kind of diving into empowering yourself to know more.
0: Excellent. Dr. Emily, thank you. Can you tell us also for the audience's benefit, because I already know these answers, how to find you online, you know, your website, other things that people can search for to get the benefit of your wisdom?
1: Absolutely. So my podiatry practice is my name. So dremilysplickle.com. I see patients virtually all over the world. Uh, My Instagram link to my personal is The Functional Foot Doc. So you can find me there. Uh, I wrote a book called Barefoot Strong, which the website for that is barefootstrong.com. You can also get that on Amazon. And then for any of the Naboso products, that website is naboso.com, N-A-B-O-S-O.com. And then we're on Instagram as well, which is of course, naboso underscore technology.
0: Fantastic. Well, you make that easy for people and for anybody who, didn't catch all that or know how to spell your name, I'll I'll put those links in the show notes and they can find that there. Thank you very much again, Dr. Emily. This was uh, tremendously helpful for me, uh, hopefully for my audience as well. And you have a great night.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Dr. Emily. You can find more information about Dr. Emily in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. That'd be great help. Thanks a lot.